of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe! Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy, he calls to you who, the social outcast, yes, you who are rejected, he wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo. And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings. I am Spud Goodman. Spud <laughs> man. And I have the privilege of hosting this little radio show. I won't promise you the moon, but this episode should be pretty darn good. And if not, then I guess I'll follow the advice of my attorney and, and blame someone else besides myself. Uh, speaking of someone else, say hello to our designated laugher, Gina. Hey, show our listeners how a professional laugher does it. All right, maybe a hearty chuckle or something. <laughs> All right, well done. Also with us in the studio is our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. You know, some have asked why do I use this guy's full name all the time, as it seems rather impersonal. I mean, yeah, I could call him by just his first name, Gerald, but I much prefer the impersonal route in this case. You know, or how about I compromise and, and go with dude? How about that? So utter a word or two to verify that you're here. Yeah, well, yeah I, Spud, dude. I don't mind you referring to me by my full name because I feel it displays a high degree of respect on your part. Now, what would be impersonal okay. would be for you to refer to me by only my last name. You know, like, uh, hey, Holcomb, get this for me. Or Holcomb, drop and give me 50 push-ups. That would be demeaning, and it would remind me of my high school PE teacher, Mr. Barner. In a side, by the way, I read after he retired, he joined some mercenaries and is still fighting in Syria. Oh, I, I can still hear his voice screaming at me sometimes at night when I'm sleeping. Americans love a winner. <laughs> Those are not pleasant dreams. I often wake up in a cold sweat. So, and hey, I really how, think how deep are we going to go here uh, with your dream analysis? You know, I, I vote we change the subject and just basically... Well, listen, I went no. there because oh. I, I was I was going to bring up the topic of oh. high school reunions tonight. Yeah, Everybody can relate to that subject, right? I don't think dropouts would really dig that topic well. of discussion, or homeschoolers for that matter. Well, but I doubt many homeschool dropouts listen to this show, Spud. I, I like to think we appeal to a highly educated demographic. I love the poorly educated. You know, I would like to think you're right, but maybe these people are too smart to be into this show. Think yeah. about that. Well, possibly. But, Spud, I wanted to ask if you, you know, you went to your high school reunion. If you did, could you share with us your experiences? Because I think it would make great radio. No. For the record, I don't dig reunions, especially oh. high school reunions. Really? 
You know, my high school years were the absolute worst time in my life. I, I don't know if I've fully recovered from the emotional scars to this day. Have you ever had your pants pulled down in front of everyone in the cafeteria? Well. That happened at least 20 times in my 10th grade year alone. You know, for some reason, the seniors that year put a bounty on me. Anybody successfully pulling down my bell bottoms would get like a free bag of Fritos. That's and a I lot. I had to make sure I had to clean underwear, you know, with no holes on Ever, all, every day, every freaking day. Well, but we've all experienced some minor incidents of discomfort in high school. With the exception of the treatment I received from my PE teacher, Mr. Barner, those haunting memories sort of disappear after a few decades, and I now look back fondly on those years. That's why I'm so excited about my reunion, which is this weekend. I don't yeah. think so. Uh, you are actually going? I oh, mean, yeah. you're a few years younger than me, so as a voice of wisdom and great knowledge, I would advise you to pass on this thing. It can only end in deep sadness and possibly further emotional trauma. Well, you know, Trust I, me. I'm not afraid of taking emotional risks, but this will be one of those high-risk, high-reward deals, I think. I mean, you know, tickets are 125 bucks a couple, so it's got to be good. You're taking your wife? Damn, she must really love you. That's ridiculous. Oh, Rachel would never let me go to a reunion by myself. She's read my high school annuals, and I will admit there are numerous inappropriate comments written by, you know, my female classmates. We yeah. were young and somewhat well, careless in what we wrote back then, not knowing that someday family members would be reading that stuff many years down the line. Oh, boy. It was cringeworthy when my oldest, uh, Gerald Jr., read some of the more risque comments out loud on family game night. I guess he found my annual in his ba in our basement and brought it up. Well, you know, I still have my annuals, and uh, that is just one major, major reason for a vasectomy. I mean, <laughs> well, no, no. a little I, late I, for you. I'm still really looking forward to the festivities on Saturday night. I bet if we took some calls from our listeners, we would get some great stories, very supportive stories of high school reunions. It's <laughs> jack what you're saying. You can ask them to email the shows. I don't have time tonight to take a bunch of calls, all right? We have a lot of stuff to get to. Okay, all right. Well, listen, anyone who would like to share their high school reunion story can email us now at the Spud Goodman oh Show. That's all one word. Yeah. The Spud Goodman Show at gmail.com. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. Well, it, if you send those to us, we'll read it on the air. I don't know about that, but and right now it's time for some tunes, all right, from our musical guest. And we'll be talking with them a little later in the show. Here are Silver Dollars.
is the Spud Goodman Show. Hey, this is Michael Bacon from the Bacon Brothers. This is Kevin Bacon. Somehow we ended up on the Spud Goodman Show. How'd that happen? Spud, your first guest, Olivia Newton-John, is holding on the line. And okay. I have to say, okay. I am really excited about this one. My wife and I play her greatest hits cassette in our car almost every family road trip we take. Don't you think it's time to upgrade your car stereo? Well, we are talking about getting a CD player. but So, can I ask you, what are you going to ask Ms. Newton-John? You're not going to bring up anything that will make me uncomfortable, are you? You can't prevent everything. Entertainment Tonight makes you uncomfortable, man. Yeah. No, I will be totally professional. She is a show business legend. I know this. Good, good. I, I sure wish this was your old TV show, as I would give anything to meet her. Then this is the one time I'm glad that that thing got canceled. Oh. It's I don't need my staff drooling all over my guests. What's that chicken still doing out? Just put her on. I have a lot of questions and stuff to ask her. All right, here she is. Please give a warm welcome to singer, songwriter, and actress Olivia Newton-John. Thanks much for coming on our show. So welcome, hi. Yeah. All right, uh, I'm going to take a deep breath here because you have a heck of a lot of stuff going on in your career, so let me let me hit on a few <laughs> things. So here I go. Number one, you are celebrating your 50th year as a performer. You have you have a brand new CD, Live On, coming out on September 30th. You continue to appear in residence at the Flamingo Hotel in Vegas through December, of which a portion of the ticket sales are going to the Olivia, Olivia Newton-John Cancer Wellness and Research Center in Melbourne, but you're also touring the world and will be appearing in the Seattle area at the Soquami Casino on the 25th and in Vancouver, B.C. the following night on the 26th at the Panini Amphitheater. I'm out of breath here. Can you jump in anytime? Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, that's all true, and it's all wonderful, and I feel very grateful that I am still doing it, and people are still coming to the shows, and I'm having more and more fun each year. Yeah. Well, hey, you're also selling something for charity that I really wanted. A Let's Get Physical t-shirt at OliviaNewtonJohn.com, but I'll talk to your people about that later. But anyway, all right. Yep. Okay, so <laughs> it's pretty clear you're not downshifting the career. I hope you still have some time left for hobbies and maybe Netflix binge-watching. You got some downtime, right? Oh, I love Netflix, yeah. Mad Men is my, oh, yeah. my show, but I'm, I still haven't seen the end of it, and I love it. Um, I have... Two little miniature horses, I have chickens, I have a cat and a dog, and we have a little farm, and that is my heaven, and I love to just hang out with them, and believe it or not, I like to muck out the stalls for the horses, and I like to just, you know, hang around with them, and groom them, and play with them, and with my dog and cat too, I'm, I'm an animal person, so that's when I get, my. I just had two days off, and I just arrived back in Vegas now, so I feel totally refreshed again. <laughs> Super. Yeah, I'm with you with the animal thing for sure. Um, hey, but yeah. before we get too far into this, I have to stay publicly. You know, this is this is for the record. I think I may have mentioned this on the air, but your scenes in Greece with the black spandex pants, we st now still to this day, it gets me through difficult times. You got to know the lasting impact you had with this movie. I mean, the rest of the cast was, was good, but you pretty <laughs> much created a permanent fantasy for billions of humans. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Yeah, well, you know, that was a moment on celluloid, right? And it yeah. was um, it was a, a, a very, very hot day. I had to be sewn into those pants because they were really old and the zip had broken. They were from the 50s, those oh. pants. So I think I was they're almost as old as me. Oh. And um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was fun. We had a lot of fun making the movie and... You know, if it's not fun, you should do it, right? Right. Well, you know what? Times in your career, you know, you were 
maybe ta uh, typecast as kind of really, really wholesome, but the release of Let's Get Physical, the album in 1981, gave you a bit of a spicier image. I mean, Billboard magazine rated it the all-time most popular song about sex. You know, that'd be something I'd be personally would be really darn proud of to look back on when I'm in my 90s or something, you know? Better, yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, well, you know, it was so funny because at the time I was so freaked out about it. I thought I'd gone too far and I called my manager and I said, we've got a publisher, my God, I think I've just gone too far with it. And he said, too late, it's out and it's a hit. And um, <laughs> uh, I said, well, now we have to like make it a bit less spicy. Let's do it about exercise, right? And that, that made it even more spicy. So I just laugh. I have such a good memory of that whole thing. It seems so big deal to me now. And then compared to what's on the radio now, right. it's like nothing. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, it's a heck of a lot better than having a popular song about something boring like a car or a bad day. So, I mean, I'd, I'd be really proud of it. But, all right, well, let me hit you with this. <laughs> As a singer, you know you've won, obviously you know this, you've won four Grammys, had five number one hit singles, and another ten songs in the Billboard Top Ten list. So what's your take on the recording industry right now? The business has changed a bit since you released If Not For You in 1971, right? Yeah, well, it has changed a lot. I think there are so many artists that, I, I feel very grateful that I've had the longevity that I have. You know, I'm still singing and people are still coming, as I was saying, to the shows. And um, for artists now, you know, do they have a chance of having longevity? Some of them do, but I don't know if as many of them will as did in my day. I don't know. It'll be really interesting to watch that. But there's so much talent. I mean, incredible singers and talent out there that, that blow me away what they're doing vocally and what they're doing dance-wise and... I think it's fantastic. And, and the blending of all the different music together, too, I'm enjoying. Mm -hmm. All right, super. Um, you know, as, as you grew up in Australia, ha have you ever gone back to a high school reunion? Because we're kicking that topic around on the show. You, you, you were probably obviously really popular. I mean, I'm sure you never got stuffed into a locker by seniors. You know, guys probably begged to carry your books to class, right? <laughs> well, it was very different when I went to school. I didn't go to college because I left school to become a singer when I was 15. Oh. So I didn't really get to college. Um, I'm embarrassed. I was very embarrassed about that for many years. Then I realized that it was probably just lucky for me because I got to hone my craft early, you know. But that's what happened to many of my peers, actually. We left school early and, and started singing. So I was at a school that was co-ed, but the boys and the girls had separate um, stairwells and we weren't allowed to mingle and... Excuse me, Spud. What? Well, I hope you aren't going to go any further into Ms. Newton-John's high school dating life. I'm starting to feel very uncomfortable about where you're going here. If you wouldn't have brought up that stupid high school reunion topic, I wouldn't have gone down this road with her. Well, I suggest you steer the interview away to something more family-friendly. This is my interview, okay? This is not the Gerald Holcomb Show. Your name is nowhere in the show title, so zip it. Spud, this is not just a regular person. This is Olivia Newton-John. Okay, okay. A superstar. I know. Listen, no disrespect to you, but you do not deserve the privilege of interviewing her. I, I mean, really? you you probably don't even own any of her greatest hits collections. Well, maybe not, but I still have one of those, you know, headbands she was famous for in the 80s. Oh, yeah. I wear it at the Y sometimes. I, I sort of stole it from an old girlfriend. Y you know, I usually try not to speak up and try and correct you as far as your banter with guests, but this is different. Oh, Tomorrow, when you wake up, maybe you'll realize what a special opportunity this was 
for me, if I could just jump in here and let Ms. Newton-John know how much I Look, love I her. I have already much... shared with her my lust for her in Greece, okay? So there's no need to try and taunt me for with your, you know, fandom. No, no, no. I, I was not referring to her physical beauty, though it is stunning. No, I'm a real fan who believes I am not she... going to compete here as to who is her biggest fan. I have to finish this thing, so ixnay, okay? Uh, fine. I'm so sorry about that, Olivia. A okay. minor issue I had to deal with, okay. but I'm back. Thank you. Well, you know, the population of Australia is around 28 million, about the same size as the state of Texas. Can I ask how come there's so many talented Aussies? You guys you know, like kick butt in the entertainment industry. I asked Rick Springfield this, and he just said, you guys work really hard. There has to be some top secret thing the government there does, like a talent gene or something you developed. <laughs> no, I think he's right. I think that the work ethic is really big. And for instance, you know, Rick kind of had the same kind of background. He worked in a band. I worked on television and I did live gigs. And, you know, you have to work hard to make a living because there isn't, you know, there aren't as many people and therefore not as many venues. And so you kind of get a great grounding in Australia. And also because the people are really down to earth and so they're not going to, you know, uh, build you up for no reason. And you, you, they have a tall puppy syndrome. If you get too big for riches, they cut you down. So you, you learn to keep your feet on the ground, and it's very it's a great place to learn everything. Ah, okay, super. Um, Olivia, as I mentioned earlier, you perform regularly at the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas. Uh, do you ha- do you like stay in a yes. room there? Because if so, I hope they comp you with the mini bar and let you play blackjack on their money. Because it's only right because you bring <laughs> so many fans. Uh, well, I'm not, I don't gamble. I don't really like to gamble. I mean, I, I, I haven't. I don't think I've played the slot machine more than once when I've been here because I'm not really into it. But um, I I do my show and then I come home and now we're renting a house outside of the strip, outside of the city. And Vegas is really lovely outside of the strip. Most people think of it as just that. But it has beautiful national parks and I love the look of the desert anyway and the feel of it. So I enjoy the, you know, being outside of that and just going in to do my show. And, and they have wonderful restaurants and fantastic shows. So kind of like, you know, Broadway in the desert. Right, right. <laughs> well... You know, I'm going to close this interview um, with Olivia Newton-John. What has been your most memorable moment in your career to this point? What do you think? Oh, gosh. I've had a lot, so it's hard to pick one. But, you know, I, the one that always jumps in my head is singing at the Sydney Olympics for my country. Oh, yeah. Um, with John Farnham, who's one of my favorite singers in the world. He's got an amazing voice. He's an Aussie and incredible singer, big star down there. So the, the two of us sang a song and we walked down the steps and walked through the athletes. And, you know, I've been watching the Olympics this week and it really reminded me of what a special, amazing honor that is. Right. I also carried the torch. Did you? I carried the torch around the opera house, yeah. Yeah, that would been a little bit of stress. You know, you know, if you, like, drop it or put it out or something. Wow, okay, all right. <laughs> it was great and my daughter ran behind me, so it's really a memorable moment. All right, super. Well, I want to remind everyone that you will be appearing at the Snoqualmie Casino on the 25th and in Vancouver, B.C. on the 26th. Uh, and you have a new CD out again, Live On, and I, w- I just want to thank you so much for checking yeah. in with us. Ms. Olivia Newton-John. Thank you. Bye. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, 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 uh. I'm still not over my surprise. 
Spud, our resident psychic, Ted Marr, is ready to go on the line. You know, I have something I was thinking about, and I want to run it by him, so do his plug and put him on. Oh, right. Uh, Ted Marr's Out of This World radio show can be heard each Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. on KKNW 1150 a.m. in Seattle and on the web. Well, why didn't you say so? Here's Ted. All right, please say hello to the Spud Goodman Show's resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. Thanks for checking in with us. Hi, Spud. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah. So my question to you is about time travel. Not not like a Wayback Machine like Mr. Peabody and Sherman had, but can somebody skilled in the paranormal scene actually transport themselves and maybe a friend, you know, back and visit a prior century? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you ask that because I've thought a lot about going back in time and fishing with my dad who passed away years ago and going to our, fish, our favorite lake and catching a bunch of trout. That would be fun. Um, what a good psychic can do, they can't transport themselves physically to a previous time, but they can travel there through what's called remote viewing, where they can view any, um, any event um, in the past or in the future even by going into the higher dimensions, typically the fifth, fifth dimension. Uh, I don't know if that's going to work for what I was going for here, because I would like to go back to 1849, the start of the gold rush in this country, because, Ted, I've been somewhat negligent in preparing financially for my retirement you know, down the road, and I watch a lot of you know, cable TV late at night, and these commercials keep telling me how valuable gold is. Who knew? And that I should buy as much as I can, but I don't really have a lot of money. So I was thinking if I could just go back in time and try my luck in the actual gold rush, I could make a couple million if I got lucky panning or whatever way they find gold. Can you or someone you know send me back in time in any way where I can kind of score here? Actually, there is a way to do it. You would need time to find an energy vortex going back into time. There are vortexes on this planet Earth, Spud, which go back in time and forward in time. And um, I'll keep my eye on the lookout for you. And as soon as I find one back to 1849 in California, I'll sure let you know. Ah, super. Uh, well, you know, I'm not real good with physical labor, so maybe I could subcontract out, you know, that stuff where, where you kind of get dirty. I'm kind of a neat nick myself. And, and can't, oh, let me hit, 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 hit Spud, with this. If I might interject here, Spud. Yes. Well, if you're somehow able to transport back in time, and I would add, I'm highly skeptical about this, but there was an ample labor force available back in those days. If you didn't want to get your hands dirty, very inexpensive workers, well, almost free in some cases. I know you're a big anti-union right-to-work guy, but if I should be so lucky as to go back in time, I would never, ever hire slave labor from China and south of our border. I don't need to make my millions that way. I would do it the right way. You know, just create some intern positions for kids in college, or maybe, you know, have just graduated and need some job experience. Well, that route has worked out pretty well for this show. Yeah, it would just have to be short-term before the workers, or interns, figured out they were getting screwed. Hopefully I'm not listening right now. Just let me get back to Ted, okay? Yeah, oh, okay, okay. This is something I was wondering. Can you bring back valuable stuff when you time travel, or is there like customs or, or the TSA where they confiscate your stuff at the gate? You can. You can do that, certainly. But here's an interesting idea. If you took $1,000 and bought Xerox stock at $0.10 cents a share in 1960, by 1970, that stock would have been worth $1.3 million, and now it would have been worth tens of millions of dollars. So that's one, one way you could benefit from time travel. Oh, all right. Super. Well, you know, Ted, I, I got to say this. You know, If you could do this for me, I would cut you in. How does 15% of all the gold I bring back sound, huh? How about that? <laughs> Well, no, 
normally I charge a twenty-five percent, but for you, twenty percent, twenty percent, twenty percent. All right, that, it's doable. All right, I know you got to go because you're a very busy, busy psychic. So I just want to thank you so much for spending time with me. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Spud. It's always enjoyable talking to you. All right, super, Mr. Ted Mar. Spud's not going anywhere, and neither should you. The Spud Goodman Radio Show returns in just a moment. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, yes, Spud. Uh, yes. We've received a few emails from our listeners. Not as many as you would have thought, really. Blah, blah, blah. But uh, do, you, do you want me to read them? <laughs> Not really. Look, this subject totally bores me. Good call, yo. But, but go ahead and read one if that's going to make you happy. All right, very well. This one is from, I believe it's Mr. Nine Inch at Yahoo.com. Uh, he just went to his 20-year reunion, I guess. So uh, here he writes, Super. Uh, Spud, I think you are wrong on this one, bro. I wasn't exactly popular in high school like I went to my senior prom with my twin sister as we both couldn't get dates, but it's mind-blowing what 20 years can do for a guy's situation. Uh, with prison, beer guts, and comb-overs, I stacked up pretty darn well. The divorced chicks were all over me. Oh, that's not so good. Especially on the slow dances. That's so hot. A single dude would have to be a moron to pass on a reunion. Damn, even a married one rolling solo if it's at least 500 miles away from home would be a fool not to go. That was it. Now, now listen, I, I, I hope everyone understands. This is Mr. Nine Inch talking here. I myself would never go to any function without Rachel. Just saying. You I don't know, people get... lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. Uh, this is good to know. Are we done with this topic now? Well, I do have another one to read here if we have time. We really don't as we need uh, to. I'm, I'll make it quick. This is from uh, hissyfit77 at AOL.com. I think it's a woman, but I'm not sure. So she writes... Uh, people need to go to their high school reunions as you don't want your classmates to go to their grave with their only memory of you when you were 16 or 17. As she makes Can a point you pick there. Up the pace here? As, as for myself, right. they were not my best years and I did some things to others that I'm not proud of. Courtney, Chloe. I went to my 10-year reunion a few months ago and I am so glad I did as I'm now engaged to a guy who treated I treated horribly my senior year. He asked me to go to prom with him and I called him the day of and told him I was going with someone else. Well, that someone else is now my ex-husband, so that pretty much was the worst decision of my life. Tonight, a Kelly File exclusive. Don't miss out on second chances and don't listen to Spud. He's a hater on reunions. Really? Uh, you know, well, she has a point there on that last remark, Spud. What is this? The Dr. Phil or Maury Povich show? Are we going to discuss paternity suits next? Well, no, I just think it's good for our listeners to hear another perspective uh, besides your rather negative one regarding this topic. Well, you know, you could have at least read one that agreed with me. What the hell, yo? Well, those were the only two we've gotten so far. But I'm going to remind everybody, if you want to jump in on the discussion, our email address is thespudgoodmanshow at gmail.com. 
It smells really good. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get buried with them. Anyway, can we move along here? I'm pretty sure our, our next guest has got to be waiting on the line. Check it. Uh, oh, yeah, and the, the board is telling me your next guest, Pendulette, is ready to speak with you, Spud. All right, super. You know, this guy doesn't put up with any BS. In fact, he had a program with his partner, Teller, on Showtime titled so I don't want to annoy him. So let's let's get this thing going. Well, uh, listen, I don't think you'll annoy him more than you did Mark Marin. Yeah, he didn't seem to get you. Yes. Yeah, I kind of picked that up, but, but I'm still a fan. You know, and, and anyone that can get more than family members, you know, to listen regularly to a podcast, they're superstars. Okay. Well, you know, like I said to you earlier, my little one Greg is about to start his own podcast. It's a project for a seventh grade social yeah. studies class. Uh, he's going to be concentrating the first few episodes, at least on. LBJ's Great Society. I'll tell you, the okay. wife and I cannot wait to hear it. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. That is yeah. messed up, yo. Can you just put Pendulette on now? We don't want to keep him waiting. Oh, yeah, you got it. Here he is. Please say hello to author, magician, comedian, and actor Pendulette. You know, with your resume, I could go on, but we only have a few minutes here. Okay, good. Super. That's fine. You have the right name, Spud, you know. I ate potatoes for a while to lose this weight. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, I, re I read this thing, yeah. So you have a new book out, Presto, How I Made 100 Pounds Disappear and Other Magical Tales. So I take it that the 100 pounds was not like a good portion of your partner, Teller, right? I mean, we are talking your body. You lost a third of yourself. Yes, I lost a third of my weight, and I lost it very, very quickly. I lost 0.9 pounds a day. Dang. And the faster you lose weight, the longer you keep it off. And uh, I've now been uh, 17 months haven't gained any weight at all, and I, I feel great. It was, it was the greatest thing I've ever done. Wow. Do you, do you think being overweight for male comedians is a big plus? You know, some of the funniest humans ever have been a bit portly. You know, it, so it hasn't hurt their career, but I'm not real sure about magicians. Well, you know, it, it had nothing to do with, um, with vanity or how I looked. I mean, I was very happy with how I looked at 330 pounds. I had no problem with that. There was no, uh, no I want to look skinnier at all. I was really, really unhealthy. I had stupid high blood pressure, and I have two young children. I thought maybe a few more years of my children was more important than a piece of chocolate cake. Huh. Um, were, were you heavy, like, way back at high school? I mean, I was just curious. Not really. No, no, no. I put on the weight like most Americans, you know, from, you know, for over decades. You put on, a, you know, a few pounds every year and just keep getting fatter and fatter. And then I found myself, at, you know, at... 60 years old or you know late 50s uh really fat and you know the heart was working too hard the vascular system was working too hard and uh it was just uh it was dangerous so i had to lose the weight and uh i wanted to do it in a really radical way a really uh, a real a way that would not be easy but would be fun huh well now that you're back slim and trim are you planning on going to your high school reunion because that's when you want to go when you're in like master race shape I, i'm just curious do people recognize you now oh well, you know I'm from Western Massachusetts, so uh, there's nothing left of Western Massachusetts. You know, that's one of the parts of the country that's, that I don't think there even is a high school reunion. Uh, but uh, I'll look into it. I'll look into it for you, sir. Oh, super. Well, you live in Las Vegas and perform at the Rio Hotel regularly. Are, are you ever able to go to sleep before 4 or 5 in the morning? Because that's my deal. I can never go to bed when I'm in your hometown. I go to sleep about 3 a.m., uh, between two and three, I fall asleep, and I'm up between, you know, around nine, and uh, uh, that's a really good, that's a really good way to live. I don't get to see my children in the morning when they go out to school, but I'm, I pick them up at school and I take them in the afternoon and around supper time. So it's a, uh, it's pretty good. But yeah, you, you, you know, no one goes to Vegas, no one goes to bed in Vegas before midnight. Why would you? 
Really? Well, you know, someday I'm going to have one of those experiences, you know, that's best left behind there. Uh, at least I hope to. But um, do, you do, do you do two shows and, and when you're performing? Are you doing two a night? No, no, we do one a night in one Vegas. Night. Okay. We were on Broadway uh, last year. We were doing two a day, but uh, we do one. We do one show a night, and it's great. I play. Uh, I play upright bass before the magic show. I play bebop jazz for an hour before the magic show, and cool. uh, we you know we meet everybody after the show. So it ends up being, you know, it ends up being the show is you know for me getting ready and stuff. It's it's over three hours. You wouldn't do two a night. No, I guess not, yeah. Well, your TV show, Foolish, is an interesting concept. I mean, challenging fellow magicians to put one over on you, does it piss you off or make you happy when they succeed? Oh, it's a, it's a thrill. You know, you don't get into magic because uh, you want to fool people. You get into magic because you like to be fooled. And then you keep chasing that first high because the more you learn, the more difficult you are to fool, and the harder it is to get that, that charge that you love so much. So uh, this is a wonderful show for us. Uh, we love being fooled, uh, no matter how frustrating it is. Uh, and it's also a great way to get the uh, greatest magicians in the world on TV. Yeah, well, to me, you would seem to be the hardest person in the world to fool. But, uh, yeah, it's a really cool show. I just want to say that. Toss that out. Um, we, may be, we may be the hardest people to fool, but they're really, really good magicians. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, in 2013, you appeared on Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah, I had to, I had to touch on this. As a make-believe employee of sure. Donald Trump, uh, would you now give him one of the world's best boss coffee mugs, even if they were free? No. Uh, although I did like working with him. I mean, we were doing an improvisational show. As you say, it's a, it's a fake show. He didn't have a job to offer me. The one place I could have worked in a showroom in one of his casinos, he took into bankruptcy immediately. Uh, yeah. He had no job to offer me at all. But uh, I loved working with him. I think of all the people who were on uh, Celebrity Apprentice, I, I liked him the most. And he was very good for improvisational TV because he's capricious, volatile, irresponsible, and unpredictable. And those are really good qualities for someone on TV. Those are really bad qualities for someone as a leader. I mean, he, he absolutely should not and will not be president. But boy, he was fun to do a show with. Damn, I hope you're right. But all right, yeah, but Gary Busey and Stephen Baldwin, among others, uh, that must have been a trip. Besides yourself, Rodman must have been the voice of reason that season. That would, that would have been an interesting experience. But anyway, all right. Spud. Yes. When you just mentioned a few of the prior contestants of Celebrity Apprentice, it struck me that you, Spud Goodman, would fit in pretty darn well on that show. Yeah, okay, well, okay. I know after you interviewed Donald Trump many years ago, he would never allow you near him. But since Arnold Schwarzenegger is the new host, you might have a shot now of being on the show. I think Trump still owns a piece of the program, so I seriously doubt the producers would even open any email from me asking about, you know, being a contestant. Well... Maybe they're running low on the C-list celebrities they've had on, like LaToya Jackson, Kate Goslin, and, oh yeah, that Richard Hatch guy. You know, Spud, he did prison time, so they might just right. give you an audition if you had someone. Well, well, maybe a prior guest of yours vouch for you. Now, how about asking Andy Dick to write you a letter of recommendation? I don't think Andy would do it. Really? Our interview went fine, but he's never been on the show either, so I can't ask him to recommend I cut in line in front of him. Well, it, it wouldn't hurt to ask. You know, let's yeah, let's well. be honest. You only have a short window of fame left, and your radio show could be canceled any time. Oh, believe me, I'm aware of that every day. But just let me get back to Penn, as I don't think he likes to be kept waiting on the line. 
Well, I'm going to close with this because I know you're a busy man. Um, what magician has had the most influence on you and Teller? Anyone that you both genuflect to? Somebody that you that just you know amazes you to this day? Oh, well, yeah. Our absolute mentor is a guy named Johnny Thompson, who was the opening act for Frank Sinatra in Vegas with an act called The Great Thompsoni, who could do comedy magic and straight magic. He was he's the best, and he's also our close friend and our mentor and works with us all the time. Also, for cultural reasons, Houdini, you know, who, right. who was able to not only be the most popular magician of his day, but the most popular entertainer of his day, and really did have, uh, have uh, political content in what he did. I mean, here's a guy performing for a nation of immigrants whose slogan is, I defy the jails of the world to hold me. I mean, a, a really powerful, iconic figure so those are the ones that 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 i'm most interested in all right very cool oh let me let me remind the people once again they need to check out your new book presto how i made 100 pounds disappear and other magical tales available everywhere all right hey thanks so much for calling into our show man pleasure talking to you bud thanks a lot all right mr penn gillette for all who love beautiful music there's one program you must hear this is the Spud Goodman Show. It's musical guest interview time. Please greet Swoon Records recording artist Silver Dollars. Hey, please state your name, your instrument, and blood type as if you know someone's bleeding out here in the studio. It's good to know if we have to do an emergency tr- emergency transfusion. You never know. Colin. Uh, my name is Colin Scott Reynolds. I play guitar and I sing. Uh, my blood type is sex positive. Super. Alex? Hey, I'm Alex. I play guitar. Um, I don't know my blood type, so hopefully someone has universal here. Paul? Hello. My name is Paul. I play drums. And I think I'm B negative, but don't quote me on that. And I'm Dylan. I play the, uh, the bass guitar, and I don't have any blood. Well, maybe we'll need to look into that after we're done here. Now, I understand that some of you, if not all, originally hailed uh, from Brooklyn, New York. How does one from that borough end up in the Pacific Northwest? I know by plane, train, or car, but how the heck did it happen? It's Give me a the pr- brief it's, a, it's been a long journey, actually. We're all we're all originally from the Pacific Northwest. Oh. And uh, Colin and I um, hitchhiked out there a few years back, and we're playing some shows out there. That's actually where we started the band. Oh, so super. We had uh, a, a long rotating cast of other musicians that we played with, and uh, finally, you know. Um, came back home, huh? Well, we whittled, we whittled it down. We came back home, and these are the only two guys that would, that would still play with us. So okay. You're what's left, pretty much. All right. Um, what is the band's take on, on that wall Trump uh, has been talking about for so long? I'm just scared that if he's elected and actually builds it, you know, millions of us Americans are going to be forced to migrate illegally to Canada, you know, because I, you know, I hate damp, cold weather, and I'm going to be very angry. I can't go to, like, Sandals in Cancun anymore on spring break. How do you guys... Are you, are, I really feel like the best way to deal with problems is to just move them around. So, I mean, like, it's, you know, it's one way to deal with that. Okay, nobody else is really in fear of it? I, I love Canada, so, you know. Canada? They, they had a, um, Vancouver's lovely. They actually had a TV commercial inviting us all to go up there. I think I saw that. I was Victoria or something. I think their dollar's really weak right now, so we might be able to sneak one in, you know? Yeah. Come right. in with a couple of bucks and buy it all out. We'll bundle up. All right, well, hey, is there a favorite band uh, of Silver Dollars right now? Someone that you guys play all the time when you're together? Uh, we're really into Sturgill Simpson right now. He's come up with a lot of, well, a couple of really great records in the last couple of years. Okay, that's for the record. All right, there you go. Well, what's the name of the, uh, the next song you're going to do? The next song we're going to do is called Loretta. It's by a guy named Towns Van Zandt. Yeah, I think I've heard of him. Let's do this. 
Well, Loretta, she's my barroom gal. She wears those sevens on her sleeves. Dances like a diamond shines. And tells me the lies that I love to believe. The age is always 22. Laughing eyes are hazel hue. Spends my money like waterfalls. Loves me like I want to. Tells me lies that I love to believe. Rage is always 22. Laughing eyes are hazel key. Spends my money like waterfall. Loves me like I want to. Loves me like I want to. is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hello, this is CrispinGlover.com, and you're listening to the Spud Goodman Show. Thank you. Spud, your last guest, Jalen Rose, is on the line waiting for you. Very cool. This dude could play, man. I mean, he had a great NBA career after the Fab Five thing, you know, at Michigan back in the day. You know, I'm not that knowledgeable about basketball. I don't understand. But I've seen Jalen on that sports channel you like so much. Uh, yep, he's uh, a regular on ESPN. Oh, yeah, right. right. Well, maybe maybe sometime you could take me with you to the Y and teach me how to play a little basketball. I could try my luck at, uh, what is it, three-on-three three or uh, three-on-five? Well, anyway, it looks like fun watching it on TV. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Gina, yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, hey, hey, sometime down Not the road, you know, maybe when I blow out an Achilles or an ACL, I'll have some spare time to give you a few pointers. But right now, let me talk to Jalen, okay? Yeah, very well. Here he is. Please welcome former NBA player, 13 seasons to be exact, and current ESPN analyst Jalen Rose. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, let me get this out of the way. Uh, you'll be appearing on Celebrity Family Feud this Sunday on ABC at 8 p.m. 7 Central, right? And smiling and cheesing for the camera. Da -na -na, na -na -na. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Oh, I'm so excited. What a story. Programs been coming on for decades, playing in the living room with family and friends. Hey. Oh, this is going to be so fun. I'm excited to do this. Well, let me tell you this. So I wanted to get to this. Your squad will be up against a former guest of this show, Dave Foley and his people. Should be a good matchup. Here's a quick scouting report. He's quick with a comeback, and be aware he is Canadian. And I know you spent three seasons with the Raptors, but I wanted to give you a heads up. Thank you for that heads up. I truly appreciate that. I know he and his family are going to be a good team to go against. I'm playing for the Jalen Rose Leadership Academy, a tuition-free public charter high school that I founded. So while yeah. we want to have fun, we hope to win the money, too. We need the money. Absolutely. And, he, and by the way, you got to be really, really proud of that accomplishment. That's an amazing – I read about the academy. It's, it's, it's an incredible story. So kudos to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yep. Okay, well, let's talk about something important here. Basketball shorts. Everyone must know that you and your fellow Fab Fivers at Michigan basically changed hoop fashion by making John Stockton-style short shorts look like like a 13-inch black-and-white TV. So I myself am extremely <laughs> grateful, as those things made me look like an elf or something. So, you know, while I'm playing pickup at the Y. So I, I wear them now down to my calf, as I think it makes me look quicker. So we owe you. All hoop people owe you. You know, we. yeah, I just want to throw that out. Thank you, and probably some regulations on television. Imagine LeBron James and Shaquille O'Neal wearing John Stockton shorts. That wouldn't be nice you go falling on the floor in front of the camera. That would almost constitute porn, I think. It would, yes. The ratings might even go up even higher. Yeah, but yeah, that's another story. Spud, uh, yes? You know, I too enjoy my shorts rather loose and, dare I say, baggy. Okay. Uh, I know it's all the rage with the teenagers these days, but for me it's about comfort. I just can't relax in a tight pair of Bermuda shorts. Very constricting. We're discussing basketball shorts. Those are the only shorts I wear. I don't do Bermuda or jean shorts. Oh, okay. You know, I've never seen you in anything other than what you wear at the studio and at gatherings. Uh, you know, jeans, t-shirt, and boots. Yeah, okay. But I do own non-work clothes, you know. Uh, you can't play two-on-two -two at the Y in jeans. Right. I, I guess you would need a whole different outfit, starting with a good athletic supporter. I don't wear a jock, man. I, really? I don't know if they even sell those anymore. Let's, let me get back to Jalen, okay? Well, fine, but I'm pretty sure you can still buy jock straps and protective cups if need be. That's just a heads up for you. Uh, good to know. Hey, Jalen, I'm back. Okay. Well, let, let, let's talk about your company, uh, Three Tier Productions. It produced the documentary, The Fab Five, which, which aired on ESPN in 2011. Now, it stirred up a bit of discussion with a number of college hoop fans as, as you were quoted as stating um, there was a, like a cultural gulf between the two programs. Not the school so much as, you know, both, of, both were elite colleges, but, but the country club versus the urban American identities of the program. It kind of had a, a WWE vibe. Well, when you're in it, you're defending your side. You're defending what you've been exposed to. And I was talking about my experiences as a public school student who's now the founder of a charter high school 
that's trying to put my students in the position to get the type of education that a player like Grant Hill was fortunate enough to get in high school because he has accomplished parents. Right. They're really intelligent, and I love them a lot. And compete and make it to where those students can compete in the same collegiate classroom. Now, education is an investment more than ever. It costs probably thirty to thirty-five thousand dollars in a lot of situations to put your son or daughter, you know, through school from kindergarten basically through twelfth grade. That becomes an investment. So to try to get those students to compete in the same collegiate classroom is actually the work we do at JRLA, bridging the education gap. So when I was a high school student, I wasn't as sophisticated in seeing what the difference was as I clearly am now. And so I was just expressing my feelings at the time, how I looked at that dynamic. Well, it was an it's, it is an incredible uh, uh, I, you know documentary, but it's just it's just so I don't know. I can all I can say is it takes you back so well to that era, um, and 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 the rivalry in, at that period was so incredible. It, it was just amazing. It's an amazing. I would I would highly recommend anybody go check it out on demand. So anyway. Um, so let me ask you this: Are you a proponent of the current rule of forcing players to stay at least one year in college before declaring for the NBA draft? What's your take? Of course not. Um, and I've, I've made this point for whatever it's worth that truly only takes place in the NFL and the NBA, where you have restrictions after high school, which also are the two sports, and somewhat now in hockey to have salary caps also. So. While I think the NBA and players have really benefited from so many guys right after high school, there's a litany of players. Kobe Bryant comes to mind, Kevin Garnett, two of the older guys that are about to retire, that have retired and probably will retire after this year, are high school players that made it. Now, if you are forced to go to college, which to me is almost un-American because college isn't for everyone, unfortunately, that now creates a barrier to where the NCAA can profit off the player's likeness as well as his potential right. and his play. Right. While, yes, the player does get a scholarship, but trust me, it's almost like gambling in Vegas. They wouldn't continue to build casinos if we were winning. Okay? Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's that same dynamic that continues to play itself out that I think if you can do whatever you choose, take whatever career path after high school, you have the talent to get drafted in the league right after high school, you should be able to go. I'm not a fan of forcing, in some cases, college on some young young students that aren't interested in being there. Right. Yeah, well said. Well said, man. Um, let me remind everyone that you and your team will be competing on Celebrity Family Feud this Sunday on ABC at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 7 Central. Well, I, as a fan, I got to tell you, I go way back with you. I just, it, it's, it was, uh, it's a thrill for me to have you on the show. So I want to thank you so very much for calling in, okay? I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks a lot. My all, pleasure. All right, Mr. Jalen Rose. Every second you lose, you lose. Hey, you really need to run by me beforehand the topic you decide to bring up here live on the air. 
you know, after high school reunions, what's next? Our favorite holiday decorations or, or maybe tips on how to prepare chicken cordon bleu? I'm so hungry. We don't have a daytime TV demo. We need to bring up topics that are trending with the type of listener who tunes into this show. I'm not Callie Ripa or Kathy Lee Gifford, okay? Yeah, yeah, and probably that's why you're still struggling to make it after all these years on TV and now radio. Hmm. But Kelly Ripa is a showbiz heavyweight, excellent role model if you ever did aspire to take your career to the next level. But let's be honest here. You've been on this same level career-wise for a really long time. I felt that discussing a topic that everyone could relate to, like high school reunions, would be a good thing for the show and broaden our audience. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, okay, I get your point, but I can't be something that I'm not. If people want warm and fuzzy content, the Spud Goodman Show is not for them. I try to keep it real and avoid you know, the stuff that makes me cringe when I have to see it on TV or hear it on the radio. It's not my fault that most people enjoy that stuff. No, you know, you're missing the point. Oh, that's my prerogative, as I'm the host of the show. Oh, okay, fine. Well, listen, we just got this last email in no, while the band was no. playing. You want me to read it? No. It, listen, it's from Mr. Badwrench at Comcast.net, and here it is. If you want my two cents, I say high school reunions are a cesspool of drama. I went to okay. one. It right, was then. my 20 year. The people Why were nice I? enough to me, unlike when we went to school together, but the DJ was playing and that was crimes against humanity, like Spando Ballet and Ka- Ka- Kajagugu. Is that what he's saying? All I wanted was a Fenty, just one Fenty, and she wouldn't give it to me. He writes, the worse the music got, the more everyone there got into it, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't an ironic thing. Uh, my takeaway from this is sometimes things are best left in in Can your you past. Pick up the pace. This is. Do you want uh, to go back and revisit other times in your life, too? Like drop by the dentist when you were a kid to discuss your first feeling? Or meet up with the guy at the DMV who graded your driving test for your license at 16? Put me down as a no on the whole high school reunion deal, but would you consider booking me as a guest as I swallow swords? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, mostly yeah. medium-sized ones. <laughs> I do private shows, too. If anyone's interested, email Jesus. me back. Thanks. Oh, okay. oh, email him back and say, if I was you know, still doing my TV show, I yeah. would book him. You know, even if he only swallowed medium-sized swords. But, you know, I mean, I had the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow on, and... God, they were mesmerizing. I remember but that. But his, yeah. his act wouldn't work real well on radio. So just tell him we'll have to take a pass. Uh, okay, okay. I'm typing my, your response into my phone right now, and I'm going to send him a nice no thank you. Yeah, whatever. You know, I need to sign off now as, as I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, okay? And I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Okay, once again, here are Silver Dollars.
Goodman Show is produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Mike Renville. Executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Production assistants Brian Martin, Trent Patello, and Amanda Tompkins. Video director TJ Pites. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. The show's Greek chorus is the folk singers in hell. On-air talents Rob McGee, Annie Coleman, David Deere, Derek Schneider, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. <laughs>